Hello, welcome to Tea Hanks and Memories. I'm your host, Darren, and today we're going to be talking about Elvis, the film about Elvis. It's not the other film called Elvis that's about Elvis, or the miniseries called Elvis that's about Elvis, uh, or anything else named Elvis about Elvis. It is Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, and I don't think anyone would be able to tell you that this is anything less than Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. I mean, it's up there on the screen. He's credited five different times in the space of three seconds at the end because it's really very much you know, a Bazmark production. Um, it was released on the 23rd of June, uh, 2022. So we've almost caught up with Tom in Australia. Uh, and then one day later, internationally. Uh, this, in terms of like between films, it had been 945 days since the last time Tom had had a film in the cinema. Um, so, you know, he'd done some streaming stuff, but, you know, that didn't really count. Um, unusually, he's not getting top billing. Uh, that, of course, goes to Austin Butler playing the title role. Um, and uh, also worth noting, this is only the second time in his career he's played a character called Tom. Um, although the first one was called Thomas and was in uh, Incredibly Loud and, and Extremely Close. Um, or the other way around. I'm not sure how he, that title always confuses me. Uh, and in this case, he's playing a character called Tom, but his name isn't Tom. Something, obviously, we can get into as the film goes on, uh, of course, someone says to him, you're not a colonel, your name isn't Tom, and you're definitely not a Parker. And joining me to talk about this, I have returning guests, Kelly Hansen. Hello, Kelly. Hi. And Leanne Lindra. Hello, Leanne. Oh. <laughs> Leandra Lindra. No sorry. worries. I was just about name. to say, frankly, if I'm talking about Elvis, I might as well just go by Elvis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I saw this at the cinema. I saw it in a format that is in the UK called Screen X, where they paint two of the walls the same colour as the screen and they stick two projectors up the point in opposite directions. And then for periods of the film, they will project extra stuff on the sides. And for anyone who's seen this film, you say to yourself, there's a lot of stuff on screen already. And I'm like, yeah. And then there's a lot of it on the walls as well for roughly an hour of the running time. Um, uh, so anytime you see it go into split screen, we get extra screens coming up on the sides with more split screen going on anytime there's a concert performance there's like extra crowds on the side um so yeah you know it's like a fun uh experience to have like the extra you know and and for the studio logo it kind of spreads out across all three screens um and the logo for this is like the chintziest logo you're ever going to see like baslam and really picked a direction and just everything applied on top of this um, so uh, I'm going to start with uh, Leandra. Did you see this at the cinema? I did. I with only one screen though, so not quite as magnificent. But yeah, it was a big screen though. It's nice. I did not. I watched it much later on streaming. No, on a big screen or just on a tiny screen? The way Baz Luhrmann clearly intended this, just watching it on your phone. <laughs> on my no, no. Not on my phone. On my own TV, which is a decent sized TV. Yeah, I, th I, I mean, you know, obviously people in the past few years with, you know, COVID-19 and everything, there's been debate about, you know, the death of cinema and whether things should be seen on the cinema or, you know, if it's enough to just watch it on your phone. And I think really for this, uh, it does deserve a big screen, as big a screen as you can get, because there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, at one point, there's eight Elvises on screen, or should I say one Elvis from eight different angles. So... You know, Baz Luhrmann really wants to fill the screen and he wants everybody to be constantly, you know, watching what's going on. Um, and my favorite thing about the whole film is the fact that it's it starts uh, with the Star Trek experience 1997 on the, on the Las Vegas billboard. And I was like that, like, you know, that's that's a, the weirdest way to establish the timeline is to is to just put up like 
you know a, a vegas like billboard that tells you it's 97 but it has to be the star trek experience which is like i was just like that's a a weird choice but then it fits with everything about baz Luhrmann. And, you know, I mean, the interesting thing about this film is, of course, before it came out, there was a lot of discussion of people feeling that, you know, Baz Luhrmann hasn't made that many films. It's really weird because he's been around for so long and you'd think to yourself, oh, he's must have made a lot of films. But he, this is only his sixth film. So he's, you know, he's like very, very careful about which films he makes. Um, and he spoke about, you know, producing this film, uh, I mean, years ago, almost a decade ago now was when it started. And it wasn't until Tom was cast as... Uh, Tom Parker that the film finally kind of got some financing and it started to move forward and other people started to get cast and then you know they did the usual thing for films like this where they had dozens of people audition to play the role of Elvis uh, of course in the end it goes to Austin Butler who you know not hugely famous before this film came out but at the same time not like unknown um you know he'd been in you know he'd been acting since he was you know well since like 2005 he'd been in like nickelodeon stuff and you know he hadn't been in a ton of different films he had been in Chopin's fabulous adventure um <laughs> and so yeah you know so he's like he'd done a lot of stuff and right before this he was in once upon a time in hollywood uh you know like just just before kind of the pandemic broke out he was also in the dead don't die which i can't say i particularly remember him in that um, you know, which is a Jim Jarmusch film. Um, and he'd done, like, a lot of different TV stuff. Um, so, you know, he wasn't completely unknown, but at the same time still, you know, reasonably famous. And also, uh, up until, you know, COVID-19 struck, he'd been going out with Vanessa Hudgens for, like, uh, like a decade. Like, 2011 to 2020, he'd been going out with her. And then um, he since started going out with Kaya Gerber. Um, and you say to yourself... Who the hell is Kaya Gerber? Cindy Crawford's daughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah. So, like, you know, the kind of casting of him was one of those things where, you know, it got a lot of people talking, um, particularly as, you know, like I say, you know, there was the usual kind of list of suspects of different people who might have been cast as him. Um, including at one point, apparently, Harry Styles. I feel like a saving grace is that Harry Styles did not get cast because... Yeah, having seen Harry Styles act in inverted commas, not a good thing. Um, I'm sure he could have done fine with the singing, but, you know, like, I, I feel like we were saved from something by not having Harry Styles. I mean, he has a very nice voice, but I I wouldn't say it's similar to Elvis's voice in any way, really. So it would have been, str- I mean, you know, I'm sure he would be doing an Elvis impression, and whether or not that would be a good impression is anybody's guess at this point i know i suppose but um yeah so i don't know honestly if if he would have been the best choice for the singing either i mean i i did send i did send both of you a link to a thing where uh, obviously the friendship between tom jones and elvis is something that's quite well known uh, and i think maybe they should have cast him as tom jones and had him just randomly pop up every now and again in the film just uh, attempting a Welsh accent. yeah that would have been fun but <laughs> Uh, you know, they also missed out the whole part where he met Richard Nixon, which itself is a whole separate film, uh, you know, and, and they had the opportunity to bring back. I can't remember who played Nixon that in, in that film. Um, I can't. Is it just called Elvis? Elvis Nixon or Elvis meets Nixon? I can't remember the name of the film, but like there was a whole thing about that. And I was like, well, they could have brought back the same Nixon and it would have been a fun thing. But um, apparently the, the, they did shoot something about that because uh, as even though this film is like two hours 40 like you know getting close to three hours 
Um, there apparently is a four-hour cut that existed. Oh, wow. Um, and there was a lot of stuff that, yeah, obviously, you know, they lost like an hour of stuff out of it. Um, so, which maybe feels why towards the end it kind of skips over. Like, we kind of go from like 1973 to his death pretty quickly. Um, and he did actually do quite a few things in be- in between those. Like, his, his last few years were quite busy. Um, so, you know, I, 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 if, if they ever release that cut, it'd be interesting to see, um, you know, kind of what uh, what they added in or what they took out. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, like, obviously, one of the more well-known things about this film is the fact that um, Tom and Rita Wilson moved to Australia for like a year to shoot it. And while over there, they got COVID. Probably the most high kind of high profile celebrities to get COVID towards the beginning of like the lockdown because uh, they literally got it in like march 2020 <laughs> so you know uh yeah. and this film had already started shooting and they basically shut down production for nearly four months while uh both of them kind of recovered from it um and then you know it, towards september it kind of resumed uh and you know there were a couple of different uh, release dates put forward for this but eventually it was kind of um you know focused on you know waiting for the cinema to recover a little bit more so they kind of put it into 2022 uh, which then of course led to you know a kind of backlog of tom hanks films suddenly get releasing with this and pinocchio and uh man called otto and you know so it's like out of nowhere all of a sudden after you know a, a couple of years <laughs> since finch we we had a ton of tom hanks to talk about but i will say uh, that I this sh- is a film that um I'm happy that they they did wait until people could see it on a big screen because you're absolutely right that like if this was just on streaming I don't know that people could have really appreciated just the the spectacle of it. Yeah. And 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 uh, like you know obviously when Elvis was alive like his film what you know his his life as as halfway through the film they say you know turns into a Hollywood movie like his life was very like every everything that he did was you know, a big deal. Um, you know, the comeback special. I think they say like 1.5 billion. I think that's an exaggeration. <laughs> like, it took nearly a year before they showed it over here on TV, and it probably only got about like 10 million or something. So, you know, it it, it got big ratings, and you know, obviously that's why it's known as the comeback special. And so, like, every aspect of his life was all. You know, him going into the military was a g- huge deal. Like, it was, you know, headline news around the world, and obviously his death again like gigantic news so everything about his life was so big and i think obviously that's why baz Luhrmann felt uh he could kind of cover that as i said there have been some previous films that had elvis in um you know the most famous of which was directed by john carpenter and was a tv movie starring kurt russell who makes a very very tiny cameo in this film uh where mm-hmm. he, he kicks um he kicks elvis in the leg um, it's in a montage of when he's doing his like you know from 1962 to well 1961 to like 1964 they have all these films and there's like again split screens and in one tiny corner you see a kid kick Elvis in the leg and that apparently that is Kurt Russell. Um, <laughs> Kurt Russell himself obviously other than playing Elvis he was the voice of Elvis in Forrest Gump. Um, he didn't he wasn't you know the the, the actor. Uh, but he does such a, a good imp- impression of Elvis that they had him come in and just voice some lines. Uh, obviously, the thing being that Elvis sees Forrest Gump unable to stand correctly, and that is where he gets his famous wiggle from uh, in that particular film. Um, I'm, and also, there was like a mini series in 2005 called Elvis: The Early Years, uh, where Jonathan Rhys Myers, who himself is, uh, I think, Welsh, 
Uh, he played Elvis, and Rose McGowan played Anne Margaret, uh, which is an entire section that's missing from this film. There was a point where uh, Anne Margaret and Elvis had like a relationship for a couple of years, uh, and then Randy Quaid played Colonel Tom Parker. Of course so he did. That was yeah, that was in, that was in two thousand and five. So uh, you know, if you wish to, I think it was it went out on CBS. So if you wish to go back and take a look and see. Um, you know how they treated that then uh, you can it was nominated for some awards and it won a few so you know it might be worth checking out but mentioning awards uh, this thing recently swept the actors the AACTA which is the Australian Oscars basically Uh, it won best film best direction best lead actor best supporting actress uh, best cinematography uh, editing original music Costume design, sound, hair and makeup, production design. Uh, I I feel like there's not that many films that are basically fully Australian that qualify for these things because whenever you read about the actors, it's literally one film that seems to win everything every year. So um, Tom did not win. I'm snubbed by the Australians. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I I actually before we go much further, can I like. Can I take the temperature on this call? Yeah. I don't want to be coming in too hot, but I, I have pretty strong opinions about this movie. Yeah, sure. I mean, so, go for it. Ge- well, I'm just saying, like, generally speaking, how did you guys feel about it? Uh, I mean, I I enjoyed it. I okay. I enjoyed the film. I I would say that Tom Hanks was not... A part of the film that I enjoyed, and there were definitely things that I didn't necessarily think were executed wonderfully in the film, but um, Tom Hanks was... uh, I I will be trying very hard to be as diplomatic about uh, my my dislike of what Tom Hanks did to this role um, as I can. Admittedly, I don't usually like... Uh, biopics, and I particularly dislike like musician biopics because they all feel like the same movie. But I went into this with somewhat high expectations because so many people I knew had liked it. It was getting some good reviews, and I actually really liked Boz Lerman. And I thought like, oh, he'll make something different. It didn't feel that different, or it didn't really feel like it was breaking the mold in terms of the in terms of the plot points of the usual musician biopic, so I was kind of bored. And then, I, I agree. I honestly, as as repeat listeners to this podcast will know, I think Tom Hanks is a wonderful actor, but not in this movie. I really thought his performance was remarkably bad for him. Uh, so there's that, and... I, I, I thought Austin Butler did a wonderful job, Agreed. actually. I really thought he did good, a great a great impression of Elvis, and I thought he was fun. I love, I love like, Boz Lerman visuals. A little later we can get into times where I thought they were, like, that sort of Boz Lerman style was sort of in poor taste for the subject matter, but... Um, Anyway, so that's that's how I thought. I was basically overall not a fan of this movie. Um, and that's maybe partly because I didn't. But anyway, all this to say, 
I'm not surprised that Tom Hanks is getting snubbed for supporting actor awards because he really, he also did not get nominated for best supporting actor Oscar. Uh, I mean, for the, the Oscar nominations for, just came out. For the actors, he was actually. Not for this movie. Yeah, well, I mean, well, for the actors, he was actually nominated for best supporting actor, though, and he just didn't win. Whereas, yeah. obviously, the Oscars I'm just, didn't I'm even, mentioning that. Yeah, they didn't bother nominating. Notably. Yeah, notably the Oscar, this movie is nominated for a lot of Oscars, as we would expect, because it is, like, classic Oscar bait. But Tom Hanks, who is definitely the biggest actor in the movie, and was, like, the narrator and everything, yeah, he didn't get the supporting actor nom. He didn't, but, um, uh, you know, so far, Austin Butler has won some awards. I mean, uh, you know, he was the People's Choice Award winner for Best Drama Movie of 2022. Um, uh, and my favorite, I mean, for if anyone who's been listening knows, for the last few episodes, my favorite uh, awards body was the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards. Um, <laughs> and they did nominate this as the best movie for grown ups. Uh, it has the, the ceremony takes place um, on the 28th, so that's uh, tomorrow. So the ceremony takes place tomorrow, so we'll see if it wins as we're recording. This episode obviously will go up after that. Baz Luhrmann was also nominated for Best Director, and it was also nominated for Best Time Capsule, which is a really hmm. weird category. Yeah, It wasn't nominated for Best Intergenerational Relationship, which is the, normally the one that Tom tends to get uh, from the AARP, generally if he's with a younger person. Uh, but I guess this is not a good example of uh, a younger person and older person relationship. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's I nominated for a, a bunch of BAFTAs um, and Critics Choice Awards, and most notably, of course, it is no, it's nominated. Tom has been nominated by one particular body, uh, and that is the Golden Raspberry Awards, who nominated him for worst uh, supporting actor and worst screen combo. But with, with, with screen combo, he's not nominated with anybody else. It's him and his makeup. That is the that is the specifically <laughs> the prosthetic. <laughs> That is so funny. His prosthetics are, and that's not necessarily Tom's. Well, I mean, it's not Tom's fault. I'm sure he didn't have much to do with that. But wow, the the fat suit and the facial prosthetics and everything are like really bad. But Oscar nominated. That's the weird thing. They did get nominated for an Oscar. Uh, although I, I suppose some of that is Austin Butler's wigs as well. Um, and the <laughs> makeup and the because the makeup artist and hairstylist guild did actually nominate as well for best period and or character makeup. Best Special Makeup Effects and Best Period and Character Hairstyling in a Feature-Length Motion Picture. Um, so, again, I think that's probably Austin Butler's uh, wigs. Uh, worth mentioning, Austin Butler, obviously, naturally a blonde. Elvis Presley, also naturally a blonde. Um, you know. And I saw some I shock know. on your face there. You didn't realise, yeah. Elvis was, no, I didn't know. Yeah, he was a blonde. That's why his hair was jet black until his death, because that was not natural. <laughs> uh, that was out of the bottle. Also, his death came at 42, so I don't know why I was expecting him to have grey hair or something, but, like, you know, um, yeah. unnaturally black hair. Well... <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm over the age of 40, and I've got plenty of grey hair, so... Uh, yeah, and, I mean, he had certainly put his body through some stress at that point, so... Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there are a couple of scenes in this film as well, which I should say straight from the off did not happen, which is the the one on the Ferris wheel where his contract is negotiated did not happen. Um, Colonel Tom Parker being fired live on stage did not happen. Uh, Elvis did not uh, during his lifetime did never never found out that um, that, you know, Colonel Tom Parker was not American. That was not until a few years after his death when the family started suing for money and stuff that it, it kind of came out. Um, and, you know, the kind of 
the there's I mean obviously there's the weird thing is there's some stuff in this that is true like him shooting a television that's like such a well known like thing um that it's even been done on like the Simpsons with like you know itchy one of itchy or scratchy shooting the other one whilst the other one is in the television um but yeah so like the, there's a lot of like the kind of the overall arc of the story is mostly correct in so much as you know he was born when he was and you know he died when he did um so and the weirdest thing is like i was born uh like 26 days before elvis died um so i'm uh, you know briefly alive and i have a feeling somebody famous also died the same time elvis did and i died like the day before or the day after and obviously his death was not as widely covered because because elvis died and that basically took over the entire of like the news cycle um so uh, oh, I might be crying. I might, I might be thinking of somebody else. I think Albert Einstein died years before. But like, there was somebody famous who literally died the same day as Elvis, and their death, like their death, was not covered as well because of his death. Uh, I don't know why I said Albert Einstein. That's a weird uh, thing. But you know. So, but uh, yeah, is there anything else we need to discuss before we get into talking about the specifics of the movies? I mean, I agree with you in terms of biopics. Like, you know, after Walk Hard, like like what can you do in a biopic that isn't going to end up with people saying the wrong son died and i mean this film even almost does that with the uh, you know the death of uh jesse presley <laughs> it's like you know the... were you thinking of sorry were you thinking of groucho marx who I died was... the day after elvis that's who i was yeah, thinking he died the day after elvis yeah. so no one cared yeah that is it I was thinking of Groucho Marx. That was the person. There we go. That makes sense. It's the hair. I knew there was someone famous. Yeah. I, yeah, I also, I can understand they both, that you're They both had hair. I, I was like, it's somebody with hair. That's the, uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, with biopics, it's very hard not to just do the whole, like, he was a kid and then he sings and someone hears him and then he gets famous and then does the, you know, the decline. And, you know, when there's like a doctor who's like, take these drugs. And I was like, this this feels very reminiscent of Dewey Cox's bandmates taking different drugs and him refusing to take any of them and then eventually, you know, like giving in to it. So, um, you know, and him smashing stuff up and talking about this being a very dark period of his life. So, you know, it's very it's like it's really hard to kind of specifically do a biopic without people these days thinking of, you know, kind of previous biopics or the fact that, you know, uh, the uh, like the reason that people want to do a biopic of a musician is because there is the the fame and then the downfall like those are the the two key elements of most biopics and it's hard to make that kind of original in any way um, unless you do what the recent Celine Dion biopic did and call your character <laughs> a completely different name and pretend it's not Celine Dion um, no, that movie that movie really <laughs> I haven't seen it, but they, for any listeners who don't know, they made the very strange choice to have the same actress play her as, like, a young child as as the actress that played her as, like, an older woman. So they, they like... They did the community they theater CGI'd thing. They this old woman's face onto... Li- no, they, like, CGI'd an old woman's face onto, like, a seven-year-old's body. <laughs> it's... Yeah. yeah. It's, imagine it's if the well known. Imagine if the young kid in this was running around, but he had Austin Butler's head CGI'd on top of his head. That yeah. would be the equivalent. <laughs> and I don't think even Baz Luhrmann is crazy enough uh, to do that. <laughs> I would say, um, for me, this didn't. Uh, this felt like a a the same thing as uh, as Moulin Rouge. It felt very much like a Baz film. Um, and had the same sort of structure of um, we uh, we know that it ends poorly 
everything's sad. We know that it's going to end sadly, but let's go back in time to when things were different and better. And then, uh, and then you kind um, of uh, start from that. And in the back of your head, you're like, but we know that it's sad. We know that it's sad. It's going to end poorly. And I made, I made that comparison a lot when I was watching it too. And I actually really like Moulin Rouge, but I think it's very much a product of its time. And so to try and make a movie that is so similar in in feel and everything 20 years later, I don't think it lands the same I... way. Also, I mean, again, the subject matter is different and therefore I think should have been probably treated a little differently at times. But I, I didn't mind the, the tone of it. Um, I was just saying that instead of it feeling like... Um, kind of a biopic of uh, some other musician um for me what it what it kept punching at at my face with was was Moulin Rouge yeah I mean I I guess so I what I'm trying to say is I like that quality um of of the Baz Luhrmann movies I like which is not many of his movies unfortunately but that that I don't have an issue with but like, for example, we get at one point, like, a really, um, a really, like, Boz Lerman-y montage with all this, all these, like, bells and whistles to, like, show the effects of segregation across, to America, across America, and I think that's an incredibly poor taste. It's not, like, it's not introducing us to the Moulin Rouge, you know what I mean? It's, it's like so, a historical atrocity that many Americans still remember, so. Um, I was going to say, like, I've, like, in terms of Baz Luhrmann stuff, like, I saw Moulin Rouge at the cinema, and by the end, people were hoping that Nicole Kidman would die quicker so we could get out of there. Um, <laughs> and I saw Australia, which confusingly has, you know, Nicole Kidman play a character who is not Australian. Um, you know, <laughs> she's Australian, yeah. She, yeah, she she's not Australian. She's not. She has to play a British person for some reason. Um, and then the Great Gatsby is just like a huge, gigantic mess. Where like halfway through, I was like, "What on earth is I?" You know, the, like what is going on? What is this all about? Like, I was completely confused as to like what the point of the whole thing was. By the end, I was like, "Okay, so a guy lied about his name and had some parties." Like, and then for some reason, half of it is scored by Jay Z and. Kanye West I was like this what what is going on um but so I think this is like kind of similar to those three films basically because like also Australia has this weird midpoint where it completely switches to a different film and this film kind of does that as well like you say there's a lot of back and forth in the first half where they jump between different years and then once they settle into Vegas it's like straight ahead we're we're careening towards his death like there's no so it's it's kind of it stops jumping about in time and it's just kind of heads in one single direction um but yeah, so like, you know, I saw all four of those at the cinema and I was just like, uh, well, you know, including Elvis. And for the previous three, I was like, I don't know. Like, I know people who go nuts for like the soundtrack to Moulin Rouge and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, like it's some kind of some humorous covers of films, uh, a song, sorry. And some other songs that aren't very good. And I'm like, I, I just I'm not completely getting what people are seeing about this film that is so great. But, uh, you know, I know some people who are fans of it, but. 
Um, and obviously, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. Yeah. That's one of the few Baz Luhrmann movies I like. But like I said, I think it's a product of its time. Uh, there's a nostalgia factor for me, definitely. I was like 13 when it came out, but still. I think I saw it like three weeks after 9-11, so I was like... <laughs> And you know, <laughs> so how could you possibly be expected to enjoy, it, enjoy yeah. anything, right? You were in mourning. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I also saw like Fast and Furious the same week and AI artificial intelligence. So you know, it was a it was a weird week at the cinema. But uh, out of the films I saw that week, I think I, I was like, that's the one I least you know enjoyed the least. Um, and you know, before we get into the details of you know going through the life of Elvis as told by the person who basically spent his entire life ripping him off. Um, I should also mention I'm just not a like not an Elvis fan. <laughs> like just not a fan of the music. Like you know, um for me, uh, you know, if I, I mean I did a whole podcast on Prince where I went through every single one of his songs for like 300 and something episodes. So, you know, I like somebody who, you know, writes their own songs and performs and produces and does all of that. Somebody who's just like a glorified karaoke singer, I'm like not really doing it for me and the weird thing is this film almost kind of says to you yeah he just ripped off a bunch of like black acts and sang all their songs and made money off it but you know still like you know they liked him so that's okay like bb king likes him so it's okay for him to steal yeah. all their songs and make more money than them and I was like, if in another filmmaker's hands, there would be some pointed commentary going on. But instead, Austin Butler's just like, yeah, sure, man. And then he like starts singing the songs and, the, and everyone's like, this is a great song. And it's like, yeah, it's not his song. He stole it from people. And he's, you know. I, I, I had a major problem with the way that they were portraying him as some kind of like anti-racist freedom fighter at times, which to my knowledge is not true and 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 like you say he was actively not the it wasn't necessarily his decision but he was actively like uh appropriating and like stealing songs from black musicians and getting famous off of it which is a conversation in itself but the i i had an extreme distaste for the way that the movie portrayed it like the black community was just so thankful that their songs were being sung by the great Elvis, you know, which is not, not really accurate at all. Um, now I do like Elvis. I think a lot, especially the black musicians that, uh, that whose songs he covered, I think a lot of the originals are better, but like, I think suspicious minds, which was not written by a black person. Uh, you know, it's, it was, it's not Elvis's song, but it was a white musician who wrote it and originally recorded it. But anyway, I think Suspicious Minds is an amazing song, and I think Elvis's performance of it is great. In general, I thought he was a great, like, performer on stage. But, yeah. I, I would generally... Uh, I would generally agree that I prefer musicians who write music. Yeah. I, I mean... The thing is, like, people obviously say he's a great performer, but it's like, yeah, and he died, like, you know, a few days after I was born. So I've never seen him perform live. So if that's the thing that he's great <laughs> at. If Baz Luhrmann thinks that uh, that the segregation in in the United States and kind of the appropriation of, of black culture, if uh, if all of that somehow 
is a problem that we no longer have. So he's just like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to have this conversation because you know we've are, everything's already been said about it. So we can just uh, we can hand wave past this and just move on to the fact that Elvis didn't have any enemies. Everybody thought that what Elvis was doing was totally fine in the black community. It's really the white people who hated Elvis. Yeah.